You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss alongside Ulysses Zambrano, and we're the hosts of Locked On Rays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to Locked On Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and online at fanstreamsports.com. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Locked On Rays. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Rays. And check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Unfiltered. We have some new content dropping there that we think you'll enjoy. Today's episode of Locked on Rays is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and that'll get you 20% off your next order. On today's show, and Wednesdays for that matter, we're joined by Aram Layton, who is the host of Locked On MLB Prospects and Locked On Marlins. And he joins us to give us a very, very, very in-depth breakdown of the Blake Snell trade and the Jose Alvarado trade as well, among many other topics. Hope you enjoy. Okay, on today's show, we are proudly joined by Aram Layton, who is the host of Locked On MLB Prospects and Locked On Marlins. And Aram, it seems like just yesterday we were speaking to you. Time certainly flies when moves and maneuvers are being made in MLB. And I feel like you should give some thanks to us and the Tampa Bay Rays and, and even the San Diego Padres. I mean, they've been providing you a lot of content lately, no? With, with all the the, the trades and the prospects changing hands and everything like that. It's got to be an exciting time for you. Oh, it's big time. You know, I, I can't lie that the numbers are definitely propelled by those moves, right? You know, it's funny because I am always, I always do my episodes in the morning or sometimes really late at night, the night before, and all do something like, I, I, the, the perfect example is I did a podcast on the Josh Bell trade, pretending it was super interesting because that's all that was going on. And then like minutes after I post that episode, the Blake Snell trade goes down. And, and I was just like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, so I, I had to pump out this Josh Bell episode and be like, well, here, you can hear about Josh Bell. Um, and then put the Blake Snell episode out the next day. But still, it, it was it was cool to see the numbers and how much people just love to hear about these big deals. So I do appreciate the cheapness of the raise to to help me out there a little bit. And um, <laughs> I did get a good haul and I will talk about that. But I, of course, you're never going to be happy about training Blake Snell. Right. And Ulysses, that is really the main reason we're here to talk with Aram is about the Blake Snell deal and the hall. And Ulysses, I know you're just chomping at the bit. You're just ready to, you're jumping through the camera here to ask Aram some questions about what the Rays got in return for this. Yeah. Cause you know, longtime race fans are obviously, you know, used to this uh, with Garza, with, with Shields, with Price, Archer, and now it's Snell. Um, looking back at those trades, um, you can see they got good pieces uh, ultimately in those trades. So the Garza one, Archer came in, and Brandon Geyer, uh, Shields, you, you got Will Myers, Rookie of the Year. Um, Price, you got William Adamas, starting shortstop. 
Archer, obviously everybody knows about the Archer trade. Now the Blake Snell trade. If you look at this Snell trade with all of those other ones in the past, how does how 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 does it balance it out? Do you do you see it as a uh, the best one ever, just in the middle, the worst one ever? How do you grade this trade uh, in the, the Rays way? You know, it's a good question, and, and I'll cop out a little bit there and say time will tell. But I will say, upside wise, it could have the potential to be the best trade ever out of the circumstances and everything that goes into it. Because when you look at the upside, right. And we'll go into each player as we go through it, but just starting with Patino, right. I know he struggled at the big league level last year, but Patino, I think a lot of people, this is something I jumped to football real quick, but I remember like going into the season with the dolphins, everyone's like, I don't want Tua to play this year. Uh, he's not ready. Let's like ease him into it. Then he struggles and everyone's like, oh no, it's the end of the world, right? It was similar with Patino. It's like, we're, we're forgetting. We were okay with him not playing the whole year. Patino jumped from high A ball. He was not ready for the big leagues, but you know, he had such good stuff and the Padres were a good team. And they're like, you know what? This guy's electric. Maybe he, we can get something out of him in the bullpen, similar to the way the White Sox got something out of Garrett Crochet. It didn't quite work out that way for Patino. He couldn't make the jump from high A to the majors. And people were all of a sudden saying, you know, what's wrong with Patino? Nothing's wrong with Patino. He's 21 years old and could not make the jump from high A to the majors. Some guys can't do that. Most guys can't do that. When I look at his stuff, when I look at his numbers, I think if we ignore what was 15 innings of a little bit of struggle for a 21-year-old in, in the majors making a crazy jump, you would look at Patino and say that is a great centerpiece in a trade and a huge upside prospect that to me is still a top 30 prospect in baseball. Again, Blake Snell is a stud, but Patino has a chance to be a, a frontline starter in this game. If he works it all out. Yes, he's undersized, but I think that's already an overdone thing as is you look at the numbers in high a ball, 87 innings, 113 strikeouts. And that was as a 19 year old, or maybe it just turned 20 only 34 walks, you know, I'd like to see him get a little bit better with the command. It was, that was the issue in the major leagues. I, th I thought he was nibbling a little bit and not trusting his stuff because he has really good stuff. Talking about a fastball that's 94 to 95, that tops at 99 with run. And that's, it's a 65 grade pitch. The slider is in the upper eighties, also a plus major league pitch. And he's showing feel for an average change in average curve. If those pitches become even just above average, now he's just a well-rounded starter. I don't see much bullpen risk. I think the bullpen risk thing is overdone by any pitcher that is undersized. He continues to get better. I don't think a lot of people know this, but he was he signed for $130,000 in, in uh, 2016, and he was 150 pounds at the time. He has gained since then 10 to 12 miles per hour on his fastball and added like 20 pounds. So this is, I know that's not going to happen. He's not gonna, just going to continue to grow until he's a monster, but like he shows the ability and the work ethic and the, the growth physically and mentally. I, I think he's going to be a, a, a solid number two starter. And that's just the starter in this trade. When you talk about Patino, it, it seems that you're painting the picture of Tyler Glass now, a guy that has powerful stuff, but not exactly the best command out there. Is that a fair comparison, Tyler Glass now, to Patino? And, in, and if it is, then did the race just try to do the Archer deal all over again? Well, you know, they are getting a big piece here where, yeah, he has the two pitches already that are major league ready. And I think that's why the Padres thought that he could be 
a guy they could plug right into the bullpen, right? He already has two big league plus pitches. The difference with him and Glass now is obviously their height, but it's a fair comp because of the fact that they they both have two pitches that they lean on. I would argue that Patino has more versatility to his arsenal, whereas Glass now, right? You look at Glass now, and this was always the issue with him. He he is the nastiest pitcher you're going to find. Like it is unhittable at times, but it's two pitches, right? You got the breaking ball and the fastball and you got a 50, 50 chance of guessing the right one. Sometimes you'll guess it right. And you're still going to miss it. But there's a reason why he gives up so many home runs and also gets a lot of swings and misses. It's because if you guess wrong, you're going to look like an absolute idiot, which is what we see all the time with glass now. But if you guess right on a fastball and he leaves it up or misses his spot, we talk about the issues with command then it's going 450 feet because he throws hard. So I think with with Patino, he already has a better feel for a, a tertiary and fourth pitch that was probably ahead of Glass now. And I would argue that the command is already better than Glass now. Does that mean he's going to be better than Glass now as a pitcher? No, not necessarily. Just because Glass now is tall, his breaking ball comes straight over the top. He tunnels really well. But I would say I would argue that Patino is more well-rounded with his arsenal. And, and at least even with an average changeup that I think is going to keep getting better, he has a feel for a third pitch that Glasnow is still looking to find. Right. Now, in the second piece, Mejia, the the, the backstop, this is for the race fans, uh, you know, the the curse since 08 with uh, not draft drafting uh, he who must not be named in race fandom, Buster Posey. Um, they've had little production offensively behind the plate. So, with maybe the exception of Wilson Ramos and, and, and Travis Darno, Can Mejia be that elusive offensive catcher? Because we're not really getting a lot of information, positive information behind the plate defensively, correct? Yeah, no. I mean, the, the defense is, is always has always been a question with him, and it's always been an issue. But the hope was always that, okay, he's not that good defensively, but he has such a good bat, or at least that was the perceive, or the perception that, you know, you're going to get value here and there. You look at him for, there's a reason why a lot of teams have, have passed him around to a degree. Like he was a top 100 prospect. He has incredible bats of ball skills. He has a really good ability to just hit switch hitter that hits the ball really well when it's in the strike zone. The problem is he does not lay off when it's outside of the strike zone, a 46% chase rate in his big league career. And, and for perspective, the average, uh, across the league this past year was 28%. So nearly double uh, chasing balls outside of the zone than the average big league hitter. And and we already know strikeouts are pretty high in the game right now. So plate discipline is already rare <laughs> to a degree. And now he is way, way more overzealous. He doesn't walk, obviously, if he's chasing pitches at that, at that rate. Uh, in 2019, which was his largest stint in the minor leagues, or in the major leagues, excuse me, only walked 5% of the time, hit eight home runs. If you got the value from what the Padres got in 2019, I think you take that at the catching spot. He hit eight home runs. He, you know, was okay in 79 games. But the problem is, where do you stick it? You know, he's not great defensively. Could he balance out Mike Zanino, who struggles to consistently hit the ball, you know, behind the dish? Yeah, you could balance him out. But at the same time, you're not getting that much value with his bat, if he's not consistent, I, what I really do like him as a bat off the bench. But if we're talking about a bat off the bench in a Blake Snell trade, I don't think you're thrilled about that. And that's why I would really consider Francisco Mejia 
as the last piece in this deal. Like if I was power ranking each piece, I'd say Patino, Wilcox, Hunt, then Mejia. And, and I think Mejia's way back there. I think with the Rays, they are one of those teams that even when they trade a big piece, right, they are still trying to remain competitive. I know teams say that all the time and we don't believe it, but with the Rays, they actually are still trying to remain competitive. And I think they got a chance to get Mejia thrown in the deal there. And in the short term, he can help them offensively, especially if Zanino is hitting like a buck 20 um, and just really not getting it done. He, he can be yeah, an emergency catcher. He can plug into the lineup. He can DH here and there. He'll be productive. He He's better from the right side. Um, so, you know, you can really just pin him more against lefties. But yeah, he, he's really, it's kind of a make or break year for him offensively. So if he, if he makes those improvements, then he, he could be a quality, a quality guy. He has the ability to play the corner outfield. He's got an 80 grade arm. Like he's got a ridiculous arm in the outfield. So if he can figure it out offensively, I think the Rays are hoping that they can get something out of him and then they'll find a place to put him. But you're really paying or you're really hoping for the bat in this instance. And you're hoping that the bat will come together. And you know what? That's not the most unrealistic thing in the world. He has the ability. That's um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I got a little bit uh, sad here with the chase rate. And then I looked up his strikeout rate with Mejia. Uh, you know, this is already, Aram said, all across the league. But if, if we look at what happened with the Rays during the, the last month of the season, and then obviously in the postseason, strikeout rates were all over the place. So I don't know if this makes you, you know, it's totally excited about Mejia, uh, Kevin, you know, uh, 24%. K rate is, is not exactly great, but you know, if he makes those adjustments, hopefully he can, he can get better. There is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust in the betting world. And that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. There's a ton of sports action going on, including NFL playoffs and Got to tell you what, betting makes it so much more fun, especially on betonline.ag. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on, to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The improved built bar is even more delicious than ever before. The greatest protein bar on earth has man, 18 amazing flavors that includes nut and non-nut flavors. Some of their new flavors include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Some of the original flavors that are equally as delicious, you've got coconut brownie, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, the list goes on and on and on and on. And they, I can tell you from experience, they are all covered in 100% chocolate. They are all soft and easy to chew. And maybe best of all, they're all low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Uh, If you don't believe me, here's a look at the cookies and cream flavor profile. 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, just four grams of sugar, and just four grams net carbs. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, and that'll get you 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code locked on for 20% off 
at builtbar.com. Well, this is something where I guess since uh, that draft, instead of taking Buster Posey, they they opted for Tim Beckham. There's been something of, I'm going to call it right now, Ulysses, catcher curse. That is what the yes. Rays have dealt with year in and yes. year out. And when they have a good one, they, they don't keep them around for very long. No. And uh, it's funny because, you know, Patino and Mejia are the the main names in the deal, yet uh, Aram believes that Mejia is kind of the, the throw in there. And, and kind of tying that in with catchers, the, the, the Rays were lucky to get another catcher in this deal by the name of Blake Hunt, who I was unfamiliar with, and I'm sure a lot of uh, other baseball people were, were unfamiliar with if you don't like scour the prospect list, you know, day and night. So, um, Arm, if you can kind of give us a scouting report of Blake and um, if there's any kind of comp to a, a current or a former big leaguer. So, so Rays fans know what they potentially could have working with them uh, in this yeah, guy. A hundred percent. And that's where, the, the the return is interesting too because people are like oh how do you get two catchers in a trade and I look at it like this they, they got one catcher and it's Blake Hunt Mejia is is a bat he's a positionless bat and I again just to rehash on Mejia I think that the Rays may be able to unlock something there I really believe they could because uh, he's got the skills Hunt though they're betting on their player development system there because Hunt actually looks like a really quality catching prospect that is well-rounded. He does a little bit of everything. Um, He can hit well enough. You know, when we talk about the catching position in baseball right now, it's, it's pretty few and far between, you know, it's very elite at the top with a couple guys, but then it drops off and there's not that much talent outside of like the top four or five catchers at this point for, for Blake Hunt. He, he has a chance to, to be a very solid everyday regular catcher. He was a second round pick in 2017. But again, I always tell people don't get too caught up in the rounds. Look at the bonuses. He got a $1.9 million signing bonus to sign him away from Pepperdine. That's first round money. So he was really more of a late first round pick there. And as a guy that was straight out of high school, uh, didn't have that much of a track record, had a pretty good slash line in low A with good contact numbers, 255, 335, 381 slash line. I, I look at his swing. I look at his bat speed. I think there's enough power in there for 15 home runs, maybe even 20 home runs. Uh, and, and that's a good enough projection because he's good defensively, which is a refreshing switch up from Mejia. He's actually really well-rounded behind the dish. He receives well. He's got a good arm. He does everything pretty well. There's not really a big hole in his game. And offensively, I don't see a a big hole in his swing. He's got pretty good contact numbers. And again, when you look at catchers, typically there's, there's some swing and miss issues usually, or there's some issues defensively. He seems to kind of check all the boxes. I try and think of a comp in that regard is just trying to think of just a well-rounded catcher. It's hard to find, you know, and, and I almost have to like take a pause and think about it because there's not that many well-rounded catchers in the game. And I think if, if the Rays are, the Rays are definitely betting on their development system here and you know what, they've done a good job of it. Hunt is a high quality prospect. I think that is overlooked because of the fact that the Padres system was just loaded and they already had so many good, you know, really, really good prospects that people just weren't just chomping at the bit to talk about Blake Hunt. But I think you look at some other systems. If, if it was a middling system, Blake Hunt would have been in the top, 
top 10, top eight prospects for, for most systems based on just the well-roundedness and the rarity of just having a catcher that can do a little bit of everything. Um, I, I don't know if I can come up with a comp for that because I, I think of Wilson Contreras, but that guy's probably a little bit more of an offensive profile, but I, I like the well-roundedness. And I, if you can think of a catcher that's really well-rounded without swing and miss issues, and that, that would be the guy. Ulysses, a, a well-rounded catcher. There's such a thing. Possibly with the me? Rays. Have, you're you're have gushing you right me? now. <laughs> have you seen me smile uh, this much when they're t- when we're talking about a Rays catcher? Never. I mean, it, it, it rarely happens, Kevin. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. And um, Arm, you mentioned the development and and being in the Rays system. How much more seasoning do you think this guy needs? Is he two years, three years, four years away? I know it's probably tough to tell, but what's kind of your read on that? Yeah, that that's a good question because this year is is obviously a, a wrench in the plans for a lot of players but i would say that a lot of players either take a major stride with this time off or you know we're very stagnant and that's where you'll have to kind of see as the season endures but let's assume he's just on a consistent trajectory and we had a normal season um, and he put up similar numbers which i think is a pretty fair assumption um, because he put up some pretty good numbers He's still got another two year, like two full years minimum. But I would say he has the makings to be a fast climber and kind of expedite that process because of the fact that he's already good defensively, because of the fact that his hit tool is already there. But I see above average raw power, and that's what I want to see him tap into more. Because if he can do that, now you're looking at that more of a Wilson Contreras profile. Of course, that's a pipe dream. But I think he has 20-plus home run power if he can tap into it. More realistically, maybe in the 15 range, but again, the good bat-to-ball skills will help him climb quickly. If you are hitting for a decent average, he walks a decent amount, unlike Mejia. Uh, he's almost the antithesis of Mejia, um, except he doesn't like, – I guess if he was the antithesis, he, he wouldn't be an offensive catcher at all. So he's well-rounded in that regard. But I would say if his hit tool continues to play up the way I think it can – he could expedite that process. He could be up in two years uh, and you never know with catchers. And I think this, the weird silver lining out of this last season, uh, I talk about Patino just getting, you know, chucked into the fire there and it didn't work for him. But I think teams are more willing to, to take some risks and rush certain guys if it fits their needs. And they think they fit that profile. And uh, to me, I see a, a really quality makeup for Hunt and I see a savviness to him behind the dish for a high school player that should bode well for his progression through the system. Ulysses, do you like the sound of a Ronaldo Hernandez and Blake hunt one, two combo in a couple of years, perhaps, right? I mean, yeah. And, and, you know, the, the race could be seen Mejia just as a stepping stone, right. As a, like a placeholder of sorts, a kind of a, a, a lame duck catcher, just being like, Hey, pair up with Zunino. Zunino will handle the, the defensive, Ness, maybe he, maybe Mejia can can improve his defensive uh, skills with Zunino uh, beside him. You know, uh, every, everybody says Zunino is great behind the dish. So, and the numbers have said that in the past. Um, so, yeah, m- m- maybe. But you know, two years, uh, Ronaldo could also be in the major leagues in two years. And with uh, Blake, that makes a very nice uh, a dream for another uh, window there, Kevin. Look, I think part of this trade was the Rays just wanted to get a player back named Blake, and it works out that he (laughs) seems to be a pretty good prospect too. So you trade one Blake for another there. Um, All joking aside, Aram, uh, another piece, I guess the the last piece in the deal or the fourth piece in this deal, uh, pitcher Cole Wilcox, a draft pick, 
third round draft pick, I believe, out of the University of Georgia. And um, really all I know about him is that he's a big old dude that throws hard. And I'm sure you can kind of provide a little bit more analysis and in scattering report on this kid and, and kind of the, the same question. Um, if you see a comp to any current or former big leaguer as well with, with Wilcox. Yeah. And, and real quick, I just wanted to, cause I, I love the point that Ulysses brought up there with Mejia is, is people forget just because he came up when he was younger and he's, he's already played a lot. He's only 25 years old. So it's not that ridiculous to, to say he could figure something out behind the dish. But also I look at it as almost that Jose Martinez type of acquisition. It didn't work out, uh, but, but you know, where he's kind of positionless, but you're getting some value with the bat and you just want to see how it works. Uh, that's how I kind of see it. But to answer Wilcox, he, he reminds me more of that two pitch power guy that you're hoping can find that third pitch. You know, when we talk about glass now as a big dude, two pitch power guy, two really good pitches. I mean, Wilcox, a fastball is 92 to 96, but he at times was, was running it up to a hundred. He, he had hit a hundred multiple times. Um, six, five, two thirty-two, uh, effortless velocity. The slider is in the mid eighties and it, it is nasty. And those two pitches were enough for him to have some really good success, um, in this shortened season. The Wilcox was a first round type of uh, candidate or at least a fringe first round prospect out of high school. Just was hard to sign him away. Um, there were some command issues there and there were some command issues early on in his college career. I mean, he, he struck out 64, which was really impressive, but then he, he also walked 38. Um, so, you know, that was a concern, but then he came and uh, came into this abbreviated season, this COVID shortened season and pitched to a 1.57 ERA in four starts. Most impressively, 23 innings, he only walks two. Um, and, and I think that was, yeah, small sample size. But, you know, I don't think you accidentally only walk two guys in 23 innings. When I watched the video, it seemed like he had much more body awareness. We, I always talk about guys with, with long limbs and, and big guys and tall guys. As pitchers, they often struggle to repeat their mechanics. And that's what I often saw with Wilcox. He has such a quick arm and such a big body that he just was not timing everything up well. And I think he found a way to do that better his junior year, or I guess it would be sophomore year, excuse me, his draft eligible sophomore year, and was really, really good. And that was one of the unfortunate things. And when you see the season shorten, you know, we didn't get a chance to really see what Wilcox could do on a broader scale. Um, but again, like I talk about with, with certain uh, prospects, and certain draft picks where we talk about, you know, oh yeah, he was a third round pick. Yeah, that is true. He was a third round pick, but he also set the record for third round signing bonus because he was a first round talent. And once he fell out of the first round and teams didn't think he was signable, um, you know, teams just kind of forgot about Cole Wilcox. I think there was literally a report that came out that said, Cole Wilcox returning to Georgia. And then the Padres came along and said, well, what if we give you $3 million? You know, okay, Cole Wilcox not returning to Georgia. Uh, you know, so it's like that that's that's how it is. And and they did a really good job, and the Padres are really good at this stuff. And they did a good job of allocating their budget in this draft and saving money to where in a third round they could snipe a guy that's a first round talent. Wilcox is a first round talent. And you can go back. I'm not just saying this because I'm on the race podcast and I like seeing Ulysses smile, but I, it's <laughs> it's I, I you can go back to my Padre system breakdown and uh I identified Cole Wilcox as potentially the steal, one of the biggest steals of the draft, if it all works out. There's volatility there, 100%. But again, we talk about the Rays development system. We talk about, you know, the tools that he has. You are looking at a big time power arm 
again, he's looking at that third pitch, trying to find a feel for a changeup that has a chance. It flashes above average. And if that is an above average pitch, then he is, his chances of being a starter are, are almost guaranteed. I think the floor is high with him in the regard that even if it doesn't work out with his command, the fastball slider combination would make him a lights out back end guy. Of course, you don't want to hear that, but if that's a worst case scenario, I mean, that's not a bad worst case scenario, but I, I still see him as a high probability starter. Um, that could be a huge power arm. And I, I honestly thought he was closer to Emerson Hancock than a lot of people thought. Interesting. Very interesting stuff. Ulysses, I see a lot of smiling on your end, which, you know, getting, getting it's some good excitement. To- Might be a couple of years from now before we see this realized, but... Yeah, but it, it's good to get these, uh, you know, th- these breakdowns because naturally, although, like I said earlier, you know, lo- longtime race fans know that this is uh, just the way that they operate, and 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 you're going to have to give away your 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 starter, unfortunately, because of the financial constraints. Um, it's nice; it, it's a shock for 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 fans. You you like having a Cy Young Award winner on in your rotation. You like having a guy that can go against the Dodgers and make them look like fools. Um, you, you like having that that horseman. So when it's it's taken away, even though the front office has continually done a great job, it it, it affects the the fandom a little bit. So it's nice to hear these breakdowns on the prospects because uh, sometimes it can get a little bit. Uh, disheartening really to, to, to be a race fan and, and, and see that revolving door of, of stars. Right. And another deal that was made uh, following the Blake Snell trade, I think a day or two after and a much, much smaller deal that didn't get quite as much ink and hoopla, but still um, pertainable of course, to the Rays was them trading hard throwing lefty Jose Alvarado in a three team deal that, uh, I, I guess he ultimately went to the Phillies, but in return, the Rays got a first base prospect back by the name of Dylan Paulson, who I know is a kind of a young kid out of USC who um, I think hasn't played above a ball, but has, I guess, some pop and I, I've seen some low batting averages. Um, Arm, I don't know if this guy's even really on anybody's radar or is he just kind of a depth piece in the minor leagues? Um, is there anything you can tell us about this Paulson kid? Yeah, you know, I found it interesting because it was it was the trade where the Rays had just traded away two first basemen, right, with Nate Lowe, and then I mean, also trading away another minor league first baseman that was more context oriented and uh, not really a big plus power guy. Now you look at Paulson. You mentioned some of the swing and miss concerns at USC, you know, playing against some some tough competition there in the Pac-12. Started to get it going in that, you know, sophomore year was a little bit better, but then exploded a lot more in the junior year where he hits 10 home runs. Uh, I just don't know. Yeah. He, he comes with a lot of questions because of the fact that he never played in the Cape, you know, in the Northwoods league, he was really solid, which, which is encouraging because I would say, you know, right now, I don't know what, what this whole MLB summer collegiate league, I'm not, that's a whole nother thing. But for now, the Northwoods league is, you know, that, that secondary league compared to, to the Cape league. Like if you put up numbers there, it definitely helps your draft stock. Not like the Cape where you just shoot up to the top of the boards, but it definitely helps you. And, and he slashed uh, 280, 413, 445. So it's an 858 uh, OPS in, in the Northwoods league. And that was after his freshman year. So you look at that and you're like, okay, this guy has some ability there, but he never really totally put it together. And then 
kind of hit the wall a little bit, you know, in his first couple of years in the minor leagues. I, I would say he started to get it going though in high A and, and that's where you, you kind of get confused, right? Like why do you struggle in a ball and then hit it well in high A. I honestly need to watch more video on him because I want to see if he made any adjustments between that. Uh, but, you know, I will say this. It was a, another trade for the Rays where they probably weren't expecting to get much back. Um, they, it was probably more of a salary dump again. And you just traded away Nate Lowe and then you traded away uh, another first base prospect. But I would say, and I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on his name, but who was it that they traded away? Uh, Jake Gunther, I believe, was Jake Gunther. That's what it is. I was drawing a blank. So Jake Gunther, um, looking at Jake Gunther's numbers compared to Paulson, I would say that Paulson has a higher ceiling and is a more exciting first base prospect than Gunther. Um, And and when you think about it in that regard, it's like you're just kind of replacing him. Um, And and I feel like if you can just replace that need and have another first baseman that you bring into your system, you know, Gunther had no power really as a first baseman. That doesn't really bode well. Uh, Paulson has big juice. It's going to be the bat to ball concerns that, that we have to see, but at least you replace uh, something that you just dealt out and, you know, maybe he has a higher ceiling. I think he does. It's just, you know, whether he'll tap into it. Betting on your favorite sport doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new locked on bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert, Lee Sterling daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers you can subscribe to the locked on bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts all right that wraps up part one of our conversation with rm layton part two will drop on wednesday in the meantime tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of locked on mlb prospects hope you all have a wonderful day Stay safe and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.